your goal should be to develop your life and your budget and your income so that if even your biggest income source went away today, you would not have to change your lifestyle tomorrow. That is true financial freedom. Welcome everybody to the Chris Harder Show, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success, knowing that when good people like you make good money, they can then do great things. My name is Chris Harder, and several times per week, I will bring you epic guests, solo episodes, and every single tool, trick, and skill set you need to grow your business, grow your money mindset, and to grow your wealth to levels that you have never reached before. I've ended up in a unique place in life where I've got the experience, the connections, and all of the secrets that it takes to be successful. And I'm lifting the curtain to reveal it all to you in an effort to help put you in a position of abundance so great that you can then be as generous as possible. So let's lock arms and let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Chris Harder Show, where we absolutely believe that both prosperity and generosity can and must coexist. So today I'm doing something cool. Once in a while, when other people interview me, I will drop that interview on this platform because it's a chance for you to get to know how I think and and what makes me tick and just to get to know me a little bit better. Well, this one is from an interview I did with a friend of mine and former elite mastermind member, Natalia Benson. Now, Natalia has an awesome platform and an awesome podcast where she teaches about money and the spiritual energy behind money. So this is your chance to hear the questions that she asked me and how I view money and spending and investing and all of those things. So Listen up. I hope you enjoy it. And don't be afraid to send me a DM on Instagram at Chris W. Harder to let me know if you like this style when I share other interviews that I have been on. Chris Harder, I'm having a moment because I've wanted you on the podcast for a really long time. <laughs> Natalia, how are you doing? It's such a privilege to be on. It is so, so good to see you. And one it's of been my- too long, by the way. I know. I follow you and Lori. I see what you guys are up to with your Sagittarius adventures. Uh And I love just keeping up with you guys. I mean, three of my best friends are from the mastermind. One of my most incredible clients that I'm finishing up with, I met through Aisha. So I think about you all the time. And I just say thank you to you because so many good things in my life have come through my time being in your world. And I'm just so grateful. I'm excited to have you. Well, Number one, likewise. And number two, I just think that's the important thing to remember about a mastermind, right? Is there seeds that you plant and some of those seeds sprout right away that year. Some of them sprout annually for years to come. Some of them don't turn to anything for five years. And all of a sudden it's this epic, you know, fruit tree that, that sprouts out of nowhere. And, And you're a living example of spending some time in there, just planting seeds and then letting them show up and, you know, turn into fruit as they may. And you're harvesting now. And it's so awesome to watch. Oh my gosh, Chris. Well, I just want to thank you for being here. And I know that my women are going to gain so much from you because you guys, so Chris is a Sagittarius, Mm -hmm. just like on that, the Gemini is your opposite sign. You are a freaking genius with painting pictures and communicating and helping like one of the powers of being the Sagittarian mind is like deducing down really complex things and helping anyone understand. And what we're going to talk about today, I think is so big. And like I told you before we jumped on, I needed someone who could like explain this in a way that isn't going to feel overwhelming or intimidating because I think we need to all have an understanding of this. And you're so brilliant with how you teach money. Well, I, I thank you for that. It's so funny to hear you apply meaning. You're like, hey, my, my Sagittarius brain will help to deduce <laughs> down and, and say in ways that people... The way I've always thought is, listen, I'm so simple and my mind only thinks simply that I only know how to explain things simply. So I take the simpleton version towards you know explaining things, but the way you say it sounds way fancier. So I'll take your way. Yeah. The next time you're leading a mastermind or a call, just say Sagittarian mind and see what people done. <laughs> see I'm, what I'm they swapping say. out simpleton for Sagittarian mind. <laughs> so Chris, for anyone who hasn't met you yet, can you tell us a little bit of your story? Yeah. I'll give the really abbreviated clip notes version and, and you can do a deep dive anywhere that you want. So Midwest born and raised, you know, and, and, and one of the best parts about being Midwest born and raised is 
you're raised with a lot of great values that become a part of your foundation. So like work ethic and grit and family values, all those good things. But the downside of being raised in the Midwest is, and I understand I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush here and that's dangerous, but the downside is it's not a place that is a giant cultivator of dreams or dreamers, right? It's a very practical place. It's it's a race to have two and a half kids and a mortgage and there's something wrong with you if you don't, et cetera. And so a lot of the dreamers that want to do massive things in the world, they, they grow up feeling out of place, grateful, but out of place. And, and that was always me. And so it wasn't until, you know, Lori and I picked up and moved to the coast that we really felt like, ah, this is what we were missing. Now it all makes sense. And the best part is I wouldn't trade either one. I want those great foundational things that I was raised with. That's part of my DNA. And then when you take those things where all the action is, that's the perfect one-two punch. Now, the journey of getting there, though, that has been it's a roller coaster ride. It's been ups and downs and, and corkscrews and you name it. You know, back in the last recession, 2008, 2009, Lori and I lost everything. And we had to start all over again from below zero. Now, I remember this is literally the worst time of my life, probably. I gained 30 pounds from stress and, and bad habits, trying to just eat comfort food. I spent a year flying around, laying off people from, from my bank branches, you know, one by one to like a thousand people over the course of a year. My marriage was horrible because I was miserable. So if you're a miserable partner, of course, you're gonna have a horrible marriage. And I think worst of all, I was completely and utterly stripped of my identity when it became my turn to get laid off. You know, I, was, I had a banking career, thought I was, was going to have it forever and we're in a banking recession. So when, when it became my turn to get laid off, that was when the music stopped and no different than musical chairs. We had to face the fact that we had no chair to sit in. We were living beyond our means. We, we, we were arrogant and ignorant. We wouldn't listen to anybody else's advice. And we really thought that our good fortune was going to last forever and that somehow we could just always out earn our way instead of having a real tactical way to creating wealth. Well, the, it's simple to say, but it's profoundly true. When I say the, the best of things come from the worst of times, it's when you build new muscle, it's when you get new opportunities. And, and while I wouldn't wish that type of reset on anybody, sometimes it's inevitable that it's going to happen to a lot of you. And when it does, I want you to know something like when you're stripped of your identity, that just means you get to choose again and with nothing to lose. And when you have to build from zero or below zero, that just means that you get to take risk because if it doesn't work out, well, you've already lost everything. So you got nothing to lose. And this becomes very empowering, right? Choosing how you want to show up in the world and serve in the world and realizing, wait, there's not much I can screw up, you know, left over from what I already have. So like, let's go take some risk because honestly, the best things in the world, they're born from taking risk and they're born from manifesting the identity that and that you want to have and the things that you want to do. And that's the position that Lori and I were put into in 2008, 2009. That was the beginning of the rocket ship that we both built and chose to get on and, you know, ended up being the individuals that, that you guys know today. I want to touch on something that you just said about you can't out earn. Can you say that again? Just I want to highlight this because there's something with this that is really, really important. Yeah. I think a lot of us think that there's a certain magical number where all of a sudden you're out earning your bad financial habits. And it's just yeah. not true, right? If you don't know how to manage 50 grand a year, you're not going to know how to manage 150 grand a year. I know you think you will. You're like, wait, there's an extra 100 grand there. This is going to be great. But your habits and your identities still creep in to, you know, if you're a spender, you're just going to spend more. And so, you really need to choose in life to develop a basic financial acumen, not a complex one, not one that's scary, not one that is like, oh, I'll never learn it. But you are responsible to choose learning a basic financial acumen so that you at least do the foundational things correctly to change some of the habits or at least mitigate some of the financial habits that you have that will sabotage you as you start to earn more and more and more. I'll tell you, there's no worse feeling then learning how to earn more and more and more and more, but not having anything additional to show for it. Mic drop. If I, I didn't, I didn't want to throw the mic, but that makes me so excited because it just 
I hear it a lot, like, especially with so many of my women where they're at the beginning of really understanding their finances, they want to make more. And I always have this little trick question where I'll be like, do you want to have a hundred thousand dollars in your bank or do you want to have a hundred thousand dollar net worth? And everyone will always say like three people or 10 people out of hundreds will say they want the money in the bank and not that that is bad. We'll talk about all of it, but it's really that understanding of, well, what would it actually take to create a net worth? And that is, I think maybe we can touch a little bit on that today, but really Chris, like that's what got me so excited about getting to have this conversation with you because basic financial acumen Mm -hmm. and especially going in, I've, the way I've been talking about it on here with my women is the idea of an ebb in the economy. So we're going to have a little woo-woo speak, Chris, because we say ebb and flow. So we say ebb, we say, I've been saying like a financial ebb, but in basic terms, what would you define as a recession? Like, so this, it's a buzzword, people hear it, it triggers certain visuals. Tell us a little bit about what is a recession and how can we understand it maybe in a way that just makes sense? Yeah, for sure. So let me make this real simple. A recession is just a title that you give a unit of measurement. It doesn't actually have to be a bad thing and it does not have to affect you. It can affect your neighbor. It can it can affect a friend, but it does not have to affect you. So here's what a recession is. When the economy is thriving, that means people are trading money. Money's trading hands. And a healthy economy grows at 2 to 3% per year. A normal healthy economy, that amount of money that's trading hands among everybody, that amount is growing 2 to 3% a year. A recession is just the opposite of that. It means that for two quarters or for six months in a row, instead of the economy growing by 2 or 3%, it goes backwards by any number. So even if it just went backwards by a half a percent per year for two quarters, then technically we'd be in a recession and you'd see all the headlines and all the fear porn and everything else out there to tell you that you better hunker down and and you're minutes away from losing your house, but that's not necessarily the case. So I'll give you, let me expand it. That's the simple version is a healthy economy is when the amount of money changing hands is growing. A recession is when the amount of money changing hands is shrinking, okay? Now, let's really put this into perspective for you when I say it doesn't have to affect you. Let's say they're saying, oh, my God, the economy is shrinking at at 1% per quarter. Now, what that means is out of an entire piece of pie of opportunity that this quarter, there's only 99% of that pie left. And after next quarter, there's only 98%. And if it did it the next quarter after that, there's only 97. And if it did it for a whole year, now there's only 96% of the entire pie, the entire economy of the United States of America left for you to participate in. Now, while that might sound like a big chunk off, I want you to really picture what it takes to hit your individual business goals or your individual financial goals. Most of you listening, you don't need... 96% of the economy to thrive. You don't need 50%. You don't even need 1%. Wake up call. You don't even need 1% of the economy to thrive. You need a fraction of 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 1% to hit your business goals. Unless you're Apple or GM or Tesla or something that is just a global juggernaut. You just need a fraction of 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 a a percent in order to hit your goals. So knowing that if your goal is to hit a quarter million dollars a year or a million dollars a year or even five million dollars a year out of a twenty five trillion dollar economy. It doesn't matter if it's shrunk. There is still more than enough pie to go around for you to crush whatever ambitious goals you have. And that's why I say it does not have to affect you if you don't buy into the hype. Because I think that what happens is we see, I've been noticing more on YouTube, like the covers are just crazy. Mm -hmm. And then of course, like you said, the, it's almost like 
the media that will just these little pieces of information and we get this visual in our head. And I, I asked some of my women, cause I was like, well, what is your guys's fear? And they're like, oh, well the great depression, like kind of seems like in maybe the American mind, let's say when people think of a of at least I'd say at my age, because I was quite young when 2008 happened. So I don't really, I wasn't participating, but something that we learned about in school was like, oh, the great depression and the images and the, why do you think that is? Why is that the thing? I don't know if you think that way, maybe because you've actually been through a recession, but why do you think that is that we think that way when well, we think of the word recession? Ask them this question. I, I love that you get a visual out of them. Like, hey, what what is the real fear? Paint it for me. And they say, oh, the Great Depression. So then if you asked them a follow-up question, it would probably be, well, what does the Great Depression look like to you? Because you weren't there. And they'd probably say, well, there was food lines and unemployment and people standing in the streets. Listen, look around. That's there right now. Yeah. That's their right. I just got done visiting the skid row of Phoenix here. They call it the zone. Mm-hmm. It's already there. Yeah. These pictures and the times are sensationalized. Now somebody can check my work. I'm, I'm, I haven't looked it up in ages, but I think that the great depression only pulled back around oh, maybe 20% give or take of the economy. So that means 80% of the economy was still intact. That means there was still plenty of opportunity to go around if you put your head down and found a way to succeed, if you got flexible. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, I watched, yeah, a lot of people suffer in recessions and a lot of people suffer in, in the only depression we've ever had, by the way. But without minimalizing the suffering that those individuals do, I will tell you for every person suffering, I watch somebody else get rich because the opportunity shifts and there's brand new needs. And when people create solutions to the brand new needs that are created out of a recession, then those are the ones that are capitalizing on change. And the wealthiest people in the world, they're always forward looking and they're always capitalizing on change. So if here's a really basic example, in 2008, 2009, when we had what they titled the Great Recession, right, is the worst economic turn uh, downturn since the Depression. I know people that got rich, and I mean ungodly rich, just doing drive-by appraisals for the properties that the banks were taking back. The banks would pay $250 to $500 per drive-by appraisal, and you're driving by and saying, is the house there? Yes, you know, graded on a scale of one to 10, like how bad's the roof? How bad's this? How bad's this? So the banks understood what they had in inventory because they were taking so many homes back so quickly, they had to at least have an idea of what they had in inventory. So people not only said, well, gosh, I could go drive by 10 houses a day and do these reports. They said, I could build an army of people to go drive by these and I'll do the reports and then I'll get someone else. And they built a fortune out of this brand new opportunity that didn't exist before. I know people that got incredibly wealthy in 2008, 2009 out of clearing junk out of homes that were foreclosed on. So, you know, typically a home that's foreclosed, people would just up and leave. They'd grab whatever important belongings they had. They'd they'd sometimes trash it out of anger or they would just leave it and it would sit vacant for six months and there'd be rats and there'd be garbage and there'd be stinky everything. Well, somebody had to go clean that out for the banks. It's not like the local bank teller was, you know, taking off his tie and going and doing it. So people put together groups of of junk removal and they got ungodly wealthy doing it. All you need is for opportunity to shift. The shift creates new possibilities and you got to figure out how do I monetize those possibilities? You just said a word that to me defines the entrepreneurial journey and that's flexibility. Because I think Mm -hmm. when we get fixed in our mindset, like these are my offers or this is what I feel like I can do. Then usually what happens is when change, which change is inevitable, you get scared instead of thinking, what is the opportunity? How can I still show up? And obviously, as you know, I'd say many of my women are mentors, coaches, astrologers, healers, all of the things, but very service-based. What would you say? Actually, I have two questions, but because I'm getting too excited, but I'd say first question is in terms of, I definitely, Chris, want to ask you about investing because I feel like 
you have a great take on this on just how to get started. Because a lot of people will say, oh, well, when there's a recession, consider don't get scared because it just means that the mm-hmm. the stocks that are usually priced a certain way are on sale. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about that? I will pause. Yeah. I will yeah, bookmark it, that. Is, is that where you want to go first or where do you want to go with this? <laughs> I feel like I have a business question that I'm excited about. Ask what the business you... question, then we can get into investing. Okay, we'll tap. We'll tap. You're a manifesting generator too. So I know that you, mm-hmm. you are, totally. right? You're a manager. Yep. And we're both threes in the Enneagram. So that's why I just we, vibe with you all the we, way. We've, we've met our match. But I feel like when it comes to business, or my question rather is when it comes to business, how would you encourage someone who is looking at the headlines or hearing about the economy or fear mongering about what could happen? How would you encourage someone who is like, how can I pivot my business or what could I offer? Mm -hmm. Like, you're so amazing. You're like the most motivational person that isn't, you're not like a bullshitter. Like you have such authentic motivation. What would you say to someone who's just kind of a little bit stuck in fear? Like, I don't know what this means for my industry. Yeah. So you're never going to learn what to do for your industry from the headlines. Headlines are just sensationalized and and they're all lies anyways. What you're going to learn from is by going out to your clients and asking them directly, hey, what are your new fears? What are your new struggles? What is it that you need to get through this? And they're going to give you the answers to the test and then just build the product that supports whatever they said they need. Build the product that supports whatever they said they're fearing right now. I mean, anybody that is in the financial space should be just licking their chops right now saying, oh gosh, people have a lot of fear around their finances. I could amplify my advice and get more clients because they're fine. Here's the ironic thing, get this. People think, oh, when times are good, that's when I can get business. No, it's not. When times are good, everybody is out there getting business. So it's actually more competitive. When times are bad and people tuck their tail between their legs and they freeze, that's when you don't have shit for competition. And that's when people are most fearful. So if you get in front of them, they're most likely to take action to solve that fear because people hate being afraid more than they hate ever, anything else. So if you're good at finances, you should be licking your chops right now saying, I'm going to solve people who have financial fears. If you're good at coaching, you, let's say relationship coaching, you, you should say, oh my God, people's relationships struggle the most when they are under financial constraints. So you should be licking your chops. People need you more than ever. If you are a, give me another kind of coach, Natalia. What's another kind? Oh my gosh. A business coach. If you're a business coach, you should be freaking out with excitement right now. If you would just ask your clients what they need, what they're afraid of, because they're worried that their business is going to go under and they need professional advice to feel like it won't. I'm telling you, like, you want to know the easiest person to sell a life preserver to is, you know, like the, the, the round life preserver. It's not somebody who's on the beach who might be afraid of drowning. It's somebody who is out there feeling like they're drowning. And you're holding the life preserver saying, hey, how much would you buy this for right now? Time's running out. You're flailing all around. They'll pay anything for it when they actually feel like they're drowning. And people feel like they're drowning right now and they want somebody to save them. At the beginning of 2020, I remember when there was so much conversation, a lot of fear. I was sitting at dinner with Mick, my husband's brother, older brother. And I was sitting there and I remember I was really quiet because I was going into all the fear of like, what is this going to mean? What is this going to mean? And he said one thing to me, he looks at me because I was like, you know, and I never didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want to feed into it. But he goes, I just happened to say something kind of like, passing, but Vanya is like extremely intuitive. And he goes, Natalia, this is going to do wonders because people need people like you right now. They need support. They need, that was when I was really focused on astrology. And did you know that in 2020, according to Business Insider, I got to like recheck the article. I think I actually did this when we did a speaking thing in the mastermind. I talked about this figure. It was either 20 million or $20 billion the astrological industry made because people wanted support. They wanted to understand their relationship to astrology, to themselves. There was some, like literally 
astronomical figure. And that could have been a time where people looked at what was going on and been like, there's no opportunity. And I think if you asked, what is the opportunity? How can I serve and support? I mean, can you believe that? Like astrology, like astrologers. Because no one's looking for answers when things are good, you guys. People only look for answers when things are bad. Right. And so astrology was a way to get answers. Oh, this unfamiliarity. It's a pandemic. None of us have been through it before. Is it the end of the world? People are looking for answers. And if you have the solution to those answers, you can make an incredible living by helping people through that tough time. So let's switch gears a little bit. I have a question I've wanted to ask you for a long time, but what are three pieces of financial advice you wish you knew sooner? Or maybe three tools? Yeah. What is like something you wish you knew (laughs) earlier? I wish somebody when I was young would have stopped me in my tracks and shaken me by the shoulders and forced into me the understanding of compound interest over time until I actually did something about it. Yeah, I learned about it in school and didn't give a shit at the time. And yeah, I had a couple of smart people, you know, like, hey, you really should be putting your money away right now. Look what happens. Or, eh, whatever, I'm a kid. I'm not listening. But I wish somebody would have stopped me in my tracks, shaken me by my shoulders and said, listen, this is what it looks like if you put this amount away for this long over time. The power of compounding interest is insane. What people don't understand is the rule of 72. So what does that mean? Whatever return on your investment you're getting, let's pretend you're getting 10% return on your investment. You divide that return into 72. So 10 into 72 is 7.2. That means the number of years it takes for your investment to double. So let's think about this. If you invested $10,000 and you're getting 10% on it, that means in seven years, it's going to turn into 20. At 14 years, it's going to turn into 40. At 21 years, it's going to turn into 80. It's nice money, but it's not like life-changing yet, right? At 28 years, now picture a 20-year-old, if someone was stopped, I'm shooking shook my shoulders. 28 years later, it's going to be 160 grand. Now I'm like, all right, I'm 48, 160 grand. All I had to do is save up this 10 grand instead of buying stupid Pontiac Grand Prix or whatever it was I might've bought back then, you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, so 28 years, it's, it's 160 grand. Now here's where it gets good. At 35 years, it's 320 grand at 42 years, right? So I'd be, I'd be 62 at this point. Wait, what was my last time? I got lost in my numbers. Um, 360, it'd be 720 grand, right? Like it's just insane what happens to that little $10,000 over time if you take advantage of the power of compounding interest. So I'd say that's the first thing, no matter where you are in life. If you hear this and you're in your 20s, great, you little bastard, I'm jealous of you. But if you hear it in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, it's not too late because it still works in your favor. That's the first piece of advice that I wish, you know, somebody would have. You know. Wait, Chris, I have to stop you. No, no one's been on the show and said, you little bastards. To my girl. <laughs> so that was definitely good. But, but I, I want to just pause there for a second because I always say that to people in their twenties. I'm like, if someone had explained this to me and I actually cared, mm-hmm. then th- it makes those 10 years make a massive amount of difference. So Huge. that's, I just want to like underline that, but. Thank you for sharing that. That's huge. We're going to go deeper on that in a minute too. The second piece of advice is I wish early on somebody would have taught me the power of multiple income sources. I mean, the truth is we live in a time right now where multiple income sources isn't a nice to have. It is a must have. And I'm going to push everyone a little further. Your goal should be to develop your life and your budget and your income. So that if even your biggest income source went away today, you would not have to change your lifestyle tomorrow. That is true financial freedom. Financial freedom is not a number. I have a friend who's lost $80 million overnight. You would have thought that he was financially free. Financial freedom is not a number. A set amount of money helps towards financial freedom, but there's no guarantee Financial freedom is actually income sources and preferably passive income sources set up so that if any one of them went away today, 
you would not have to change your lifestyle tomorrow. Now, some of you are going to hear it, but I ain't anywhere close to that. Fine. I said, that's your goal with urgency. That should be your new target. So how do you do that? There's two levers you can pull, pull down on the expenses for a while, push up on the income sources for a while. And that creates a gap. Can you imagine how epic your life would be if you went through your budget right now and just cut 20% from your budget? That's not a lot. Let's say it costs you six grand a month to live right now. That means you'd have to find a way to get by on, on 4,800. Yeah, you might have to make a little sacrifice here, a little sacrifice there, but I bet for most of you, it's Uber Eats and DoorDash, okay? So if you lowered your expenses by 20% and then you went out and concentrated on getting an income source, an extra income source, that was equivalent to 20% of what you're already making. Let's say you're already earning seven grand a month. 20% of seven grand a month would be 1,400 a month extra. So you just shaved 1,200 a month off and you just added 1,400 a month extra. You now have $2,600 a month in your favor that you didn't have moments ago. That is literally almost half of the budget you were living on in the past that you now have as extra padding there. So it's not difficult. We tend to, to look at it like, oh, that's too far down the road, so I'm not even gonna try now. The problem with that mentality is that you're never, ever, 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 ever gonna be stable or financially free. You've gotta start now and they don't have to be massive changes. Cut, shave a few percent here, add a few percent there, and before you know it, you've got a beautiful gap and that gap becomes what you can start investing. I just want to say really quick, Chris, obviously, you know, I'm still, Chris knows me very, very well, but I, man, like it's so exciting to me to hear this because through doing my money management system for a long time, which I'm still always learning more about how to finesse, but what you just said makes perfect sense to me because of the money management system. Yeah. So I just, and for anyone listening, who's like, that feels so far to even have that clarity, just know that you can create it because it can feel like, wait, multiple sources of income or like taking, I don't even know what my expenses are right now. So wait, was that two or three? I don't want to that, cut you that off. That was two. That was two. Okay. And you actually just stepped right into the third one. The third <laughs> one is know your numbers. Like yes. truly take the time to go download any, any app out there that will help you to reconcile how much are you spending, how much are you earning, and where can you do something about it. The visual of being able to understand how your money's coming in, and more importantly, understand how it's going out, is one of the most important awarenesses that you can. And by the way, we're all susceptible to it. I didn't realize it, I figured out last year, that I think we spent... $48,000 on DoorDash and Uber Eats. So that's what, four grand a month? I had no idea because to Lori and I, it was just $140 a night, $120 here, $180. Like, it's unbelievable. You just, you just leak yourself. Yes. So all of a sudden, holy shit, that is $4,000 a month on these incidental things. Now, that might be, that might sound like a really big example. Some people don't get lost in this as an example. We all have different lives. The point I'm making is, None of us are immune from these financial creeps that creep into our life. But when you reconcile it and have to face it visually, then you have awareness and then you can do something about it. And I think one of the things that perhaps can occur with an economic slowdown or the fear of one or what it could mean is it does kind of grab you a little bit to be like, wait, where am I with my finances? How do, do I know my numbers? Do I know how much I'm making? Like, why is my bank account at this level? And I think the clarity, at least I know this for my journey, it was always the avoidance that was the biggest part. And I think when we move into a space, whether it's forced upon us or it's a choice, getting to know the numbers is huge because then, like you said, you can take action. So what would you suggest to someone who is like, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to get to know my numbers. What if I don't like what I see? What can I do to make a shift? Most of the women here, this is a very 
entrepreneurship focused podcast, but what would you say for someone who's like, I'm looking at my numbers. I don't love what I see. What steps can I take? Then we're going to talk about investing. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you face the, the scary financial monster and you, you don't like what you see in the closet, it's okay to not like what you see. You don't have to be shameful of it or anything. We have all been there. Remember, go back to the beginning of the podcast. I've been there in a big, big way. So you don't have to have any shame around it. You only have to have shame if you discover what monster is in your closet and you choose not to put any lipstick on it. Because as you start to put some lipstick on it, you start to put a nice outfit on it, you start to to do things to make the financial monster a little bit prettier. Then, you know, you're doing something to improve the picture and make it a lot less scary. So what does that metaphor look like in action? If you reconcile your, your finances right now, and especially you entrepreneurs out there, and you don't like what you see, the first thing that you do is you stop the bleeding. That's step number one. Find out where you can cut back. Maybe it's time to get rid of a car and live on one car, not two. Again, cancel the, the little incidentals that we're ordering all the time. Maybe it's some of your subscriptions. There's a lot of bleeding. So number one, trust me, you can survive a year or two, but without some of these things, you'll be amazed at what you else you discover that you like. So stop the bleeding is step number one. Step number two is I then want you to figure out how to create an extra income source. I want you to start getting that extra income source up and running. So if this is as simple as you got to start Ubering, or if this is a little bit more complex, like you're going to start coaching, you have a responsibility to create more income than you had yesterday. So number one, stop the bleeding. Number two, create more income. Then number three, now that you've got this gap, remember the gap we just talked about, shave 20% off, add 20% more. Now you got this 40% gap. Now, I want your first target to be saving one year of runway. What does that look like? And this one can be intimidating. Whatever your monthly expenses are, now that you've lowered them, pretend you got them down to four grand a month. One year of runway, 12 months times four grand a month would be $48,000. Now you might hear this like, this MFR is crazy. I have never saved 48 grand in my life. I don't know where I'm getting rent from next month. But remember, we're taking this in steps. Number one, you're going you're gonna to sacrifice some things. You're going to stop the bleeding. Number two, you're going to increase your income a little bit. This is not a nice to have. This is a must have. And then with this new gap, you're going to start applying that urgently towards building this one year of runway. I'm also an advocate of if you can take out a line of credit at a responsible interest rate or something like that to put away towards this one year of runway. Having one year of runway allows you to do something very special. It takes the fear out of your financial situation. So now you make good financial decisions that are in alignment instead of bad financial decisions from a place of fear or putting out the fire that's right in front of you today. That's why number three, even though it might seem daunting, is so important. Get that one year of runway set aside in an account that you can access anytime. Don't touch it, but have it there. And all the other scary financial monsters tend to fade away. Those are the first three things that you do if you don't like what you see. And you're going to be amazed at what your year look your what your life looks like in a year. And you know, as someone who teaches this stuff and is always a student, it is not easy when you first see what you don't want to see with your numbers. And look, it doesn't even, I love Chris that you talked about. I want to come back to this for a second. You can't out earn like bad financial acumen. You can't out earn. And we've all kind of, I actually read a book that keeps coming into my mind as you're speaking, Chris, but it's called Discipline is Destiny by Ryan Holiday. I just read it for the second time, about to read it for the third. And there's a chapter about money. And he goes, we all have this picture in our head that we're going to someday make this what he calls fuck you money. And he goes, that day doesn't come because guess what? When you make that much more money, you have to know how to take care of it. But start, like you said, at the beginning of the episode, Chris, like start with, if you can't manage 50 grand a year, you're going to have a really tough time managing 500,000. And that's why building wealth can take time and it takes intention and dare I say a bit of discipline as well or a lot of discipline because it because I know for me it's more so been about still making it pleasurable but not 
overdoing it. And that's where I used to get in the most trouble is I was like, for me, I finally figured out how to make money, which was huge because you know a bit of my background. Like it used to be really helter skelter. But then when I started to make it, I was like, oh, 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 I can make it. But then do I know how to take care of it? And do I have that, as you said, that basic financial acumen to lay a foundation? Yeah, you're spot on. And guys, you might hear this and feel like it, it seems intimidating or like, oh, the payoff is too far down the road. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, you wouldn't stay in a bad relationship. At least I, I hope you wouldn't. You wouldn't stay in an abusive relationship. But if you choose to do nothing about your money, it's the exact same thing. Your it's money, your relationship with money is a relationship. And mm-hmm. some of you, you're getting beaten every day and you're choosing not to leave. Mm-hmm. And this is your wake up call to choose to leave the form of the relationship that you're in right now with money and go find a, a better, sexier model to believe in than the one that you are dating right now. Yes. It's, it's, it's our responsibility. We can choose to keep suffering or we can choose to have some discomfort to free ourselves in the long run. But either Absolutely. way, you're making a choice. And money, I was thinking about this with money and the body. You get feedback. Like I know... If I'm stressed and I get those Siete potato chips, well, if I'm doing that a little too much, well, eventually it's a little harder to button my pants. It's like you get the feedback. And then what does that affect? And that affects the relationship. (laughs) Like, oh, I don't feel sexy. So I don't want to be into it. Oh my God. It's a downward spark. Money, I'm telling you, it is the centerpiece. People don't want to think it is, but the energy of money and what it causes is a centerpiece of damn near all of your other problems. You fix that, everything else falls in line. A hundred percent. And I am an example of that, Chris, you obviously are as well. And you've created so much stability and I love that and abundance. I love that in your podcast intro for the Chris Harder show, if you guys don't watch it or listen to it, I love that you say, so you can be as generous as you want to be. And that's one of the most powerful things of having healthy financial habits. Okay. So my next question, and maybe this will start to close us up. What would you say for someone who wants to start investing? So they're willing to stop the bleeding, raise their income, create that one year of runway. I remember you were actually one of the first people who taught me about the runway. And now that's a huge focus of mine and my main goals for my personal finance. So thank you for that. But for somebody who's like, okay, I'm going to take care of that. But then for my women who are like, I want to invest, or maybe I've got runway, I'm ready to invest now. What would be a nice way to begin? Or what is like a place you could send us to help us get started with the conversation around investing so we can really capitalize on compound interest. Best place to invest. And this is going to sound ironic compared to the fact that I just did that huge, exciting diatribe on, on compound interest. <laughs> but the first place you put your money is in yourself. You mm, need to yes. invest in yourself and in your business in order to turn yourself into a lean, mean, income-producing machine. <laughs> Here's why. Let's say right now in your current state, you can free up an extra $300 a month to invest. Mm. That's great. But if you were to take a year going all in and turning yourself into a better earner and you're earning an extra $3,000 a month, now you missed a year of compounding interest on $300 a month, but now you're able to apply $3,000 a month. And that more than makes up that missed year or two that you might spend investing in yourself and creating the the lean, mean, income-producing machine. So first and foremost, that is where you have to invest is, is, is in yourself, in your business. Second then is paying off any debt that is draining you, right? Stop the bleeding as the terminology that we used before. You're going to be making more income, but instead of trying to put that money in somewhere that's going to earn you 7 or 8% while you're paying 26% on a credit card, that math does not work out. So let's get all the debts paid off with urgency. Then third place that you invest, now that you're making more money and now that you paid off those debts, now it makes sense to start saving the most conservative or investing in the most conservative ways to secure your future. I want everyone to have this wake up call right now. Social security ain't gonna be around. These programs that you think are gonna be there help you when you retire, For our age and down, they're just not going to be there. So you're going to be left holding the bag and you're going to have nothing to retire on 
if you don't start making that a priority. So a very simple Vanguard, if that's what you want, E-Trade, a low fee index fund, just pile as much money as you can. Now, listen, I could get really granular. I could say, if you qualify, do a Roth first, and then I'm not going to get too granular and lose people today, but making sure that you automate your investments into a low fee index fund and letting the power of compounding interest over time work in your favor until you retire. That's the third place you, you put your money. Then if you want to start getting more exotic after that, that's when you can start flirting with other things such as Web3 investments or startups. And you know the individual stocks even is considered a riskier investment as compared to just betting on the whole index as a whole. Because essentially with indexes, it's all of different stocks, different industries, real estate in the world. Yep. It's not like, because I think what a lot of people maybe think of when they think of investing is they think, oh, I need to learn stock investing. You'll you'll never outpick the indexes. Right. Because indexes, even if like a company isn't doing great, will something else can equal it out. And there's just a little more even though there's a lot of risk in investing, no matter what, there's less risk with an index because it's a little more balanced, we could say. Yeah, you're spot on. It's, you, if you go back and look at the indexes over time, yeah, there's up years and there's down years, but the truth is they have averaged a return of 10.84% since the day that we started tracking them. So yeah, one year they might be up 15%, one year they might be down 5%, but they will average 10.84% over time. You can't beat that by picking stocks individually. You might have a good year, but you won't have a good streak. And I, last question, Chris, I could talk to you all day. I know you're busy. What's your moon, by the way? Do you know your moon sign? I know. I don't know. Oh, gosh you, darn you, it. You help me figure that out. I'm going to look later. I think I have your chart somewhere. But last question, because I want for anyone who has never heard this before or for someone who has heard this, I want this to go a little deeper dollar cost averaging, because it's not about like, of course, like you said, maybe like a low fee index fund, like a Vanguard, but for someone who's like, okay, I'm willing to like put aside $200 a month or $10 a week or $30 a week. Tell us a little bit of the power of dollar cost averaging. So the idea of dollar cost averaging is you are averaging the amount of money that you have as your baseline into a certain investment over time, instead of trying to buy the bottom, you'll never ever guess the bottom. No, but not the best investors in the world can guess the bottom. So instead of trying to time it that way, if you buy a little bit every single day as it's going down, that's dollar cost averaging your way down. So if today I buy one stock at $10 and tomorrow I buy it at eight, I've got two stocks for $18. I'm now, I've now dollar cost averaged my way into a $9 baseline. Make sense? So the next day, let's say it drops down to to six. Now I've got three shares and I've only got $24 into it. That would be my new baseline is $8 per share average that I'm into it. That's dollar cost averaging your way down instead of trying to guess the bottom. So every day that there's a dip in your favorite index or your favorite stock or whatever it is that you're investing in, just scoop a little bit up consistently over time. And you'll be able to have the lowest baseline possible as opposed to trying to get lucky and and guess the bottom. Chris, this has been incredible. I have thoroughly enjoyed this. I feel like I just learned so much. I always do when I'm in your presence. The last thing I want to speak to before I let you go and have you share your links and all the things with Mm us, but I am so grateful that I did your mastermind. Mm -hmm. I said a little something to myself a couple years ago, I think it was in 2020, you know, a lot of aloneness going on for me, especially at that time. I think I was living between LA and Palm Springs. And I literally remember speaking out loud, driving to Palm Springs once to see Mick. And I go, I think I missed the boat. I'm 33 or whatever. And I don't think I'm going to have a group of friends that I really vibe with. I never really had that. So I guess it's done. And I feel like the universe had a little chuckle because I had the intuition. I actually was learned about you through Catherine Zankina mm-hmm. and she had spoken about you in a course. And I was just like, Oh, I just perked up immediately. Your mastermind was open. This was the end of 2020. And I knew in my heart that I was supposed to do it. And there's two incredible things that came out of this experience with you. I mean, many, many, but two of the biggest I met 
two of my best friends, Tracy O'Malley and Aisha Marshall. They're still two of my soulmates. Talk to them often, see them often. One of, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, one of my most heart-aligned, successful success story clients came through Aisha. She worked with me for the last year. And then in addition to that, I learned among so many things, but I feel like that's the thing. It's almost like drinking from a fire hose when you do something like that. You learn so much, but there's going to be a few key things that change your life and change your business. And I remember talking to Jim Carter Mm -hmm. and I was feeling really nervous about my business. Some things were a little shaky and he was like, oh, so it's sounds like you don't know your numbers. And I was like, okay, Jim, call me out. And he's like, you need to work with Michael King. And so through you, through Jim, I got connected with Michael and Michael introduced me to one thing, cash flow forecasting, which when I started, I remember he was like, probably thought I was annoying because I was so resistant to doing Uh this. And then finally I got it. And then that led to my CFO, Shannon, who's been on this podcast and just, I'm so grateful to you because it's like, sometimes you can't imagine what's going to happen when you make an investment like that. And you think it's going to be immediate and there are immediate wins, but it's like you said, the seeds you plant. And I have, like I mentioned so many moments where I'm just so grateful to you. So grateful to Lori Mm -hmm. and just everything that came from that year. I mean, this is 2021. We're in 2023 now, and I'm still reaping the benefits of that time that I spent with you. So I just want to say thank you, Chris. And this was so perfect. I'm well, so grateful we got to have you. Thank you. I received that. But I just want to point one thing out about the story you just told. That, <laughs> yeah, you got in the room. I'm, I might have curated the room, but you did the work. Mm-hmm. You built the relationships. You hired the professionals. You accepted their advice. You did all the work. That's why you're in a good position now. The That's room might have just been a spark. And remember, I was MVP. I'll never forget yep. that. I can't believe I won that. Isn't that wild? It feels, by the way, it feels like yesterday. It feels I, like, I can't believe that was three years ago. It's insane. But Chris, where can everyone find you? How can they work with you? I know you only open Elite Mastermind once a year, but just tell us where we can find you. Give us a little information. We'll have everything in the show notes. Yeah. So the best place to find me is, I mean, especially because your audience is, is wants to manifest money right now. I send out <laughs> a positive business perspective or a uh, money mindset perspective every single morning when I wake up, I just text it to you. And I text it to thousands and thousands of thousands of people every single morning. And, and the place it came from is I wake my wife up to a mantra every single morning. I say, Hey, babe, I'm happier, healthier, wealthier, more fit than I was yesterday. I make her say it back to me. And about a year and a half ago, she's like, you should do this for other people. Not the same one over and over, but you should wake them up to a mantra because that's how your brain thinks. Mm-hmm. And it's been one of my favorite things I've ever done. And it's totally free. There's no catch. There's no cost. There's no anything. It's just my way of paying it forward. So if you want me to text you a positive money mantra, you know, so that your feet can hit the ground every morning, seeing the world through an abundant set of lenses, then just text me the word daily to 310-421-0416. Again, that's daily to 310-421-0416. And we'll just start there in the relationship. I love that, Chris. We'll put that in the show notes as well. And your Instagram, because my girls are really into Instagram. Yeah, at Chris W. Harder. By the way, I made a new commitment to Instagram this year. For the past few years, it's like, eh, I don't care about Instagram. We're going hot and heavy now. So there's going to be a lot of good stuff every day. Oh, I can't wait. Chris, you are a gift. Thank you so much for your time. This was so incredible. Right back at you, Natalia. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success. 